from Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church and Touchpoint Ministries. This is the Gary Talks About God podcast. Have your Bibles, John chapter 9. This morning we are going to get through all of John chapter 9. All right, we, we will get through all of that. So as you turn there, what I want to do is I want us to jump back to John chapter 7 really quickly and just remind us of the context that we are in in John chapter 9. John chapter 7, Jesus goes up to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Tabernacles. John chapter 7, John chapter 8, Jesus is at the Feast of the Tabernacles. All of Jerusalem is there too. It's one of the feasts that was called a pilgrimage feast that people came in from around the city, around the nation uh, to be a part of. And it is at the Feast of the Tabernacles that you may remember as we looked at that, that they had two uh, very distinct ceremonies. One was called uh, the water ceremony. One was called the light ceremony. And it is against those backdrops that at the end of the water ceremony that Jesus stands up and says to me, if anyone thirst, come to me. It is against the backdrop of... It's against the backdrop of... (laughs) That's got to be Debbie, right? It is against the backdrop of the light ceremony that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Right? If anybody follows me and walks with me, they will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of the world. And as that feast continues to play out and Jesus is interacting with the Pharisees, they get to the end and Jesus talks about if, if Abraham was here, he, he would be, he, you know, he rejoiced and he would be happy to see my coming. They're like, hey, when, when did you see Abraham? And remember, this is when Jesus looks at them and says, before Abraham was, I am. And we, we spent some time talking about how that there was no equivocation. Jesus in that statement says, I am Yahweh. I, I am God. And it was at that point that they picked up stones to stone him. So when we come to John chapter 9, all of that has happened. And, and John in just marking time says, as he passed by, it seems to, to read like he is still in Jerusalem. He is not left from the Feast of Tabernacles. And so this may be after he has left uh, the courtyard and is walking through Jerusalem. But he is still in Jerusalem when John chapter 9 occurs. And we're going to, once again, just read all of the chapter because it's just an amazing, amazing chapter. So it says in verse 1, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how... How were your eyes open? 
He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight, and they asked him, asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciples, but we are the disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes? We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. This man were not from God. He could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who may see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see your guilt remains. So this morning, we still have three points. And we're going to get through all three. And it's the same three that we had last week. But point number one was the light of Jesus brings healing. The light of Jesus brings healing. The whole point of this story is really what John wrote in John 1, 4 through 5, where it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This, John chapter 9, is what happens when the light shines into darkness. And what happens is, is that we see healing. 
So as the disciples again appear on the scene, walk by, ask the question, who was born blind? And, and Jesus uh, corrects them and says, neither one was born, you know, wasn't his parents that sinned, so that I took out their punishment on his ch- the child. The child did not sin in the womb so that he came in the world born blind. Jesus says that this man was born blind, that the works of God, in verse 3, might be displayed in him. That the works of God might be displayed in him. So in this instance, when Jesus comes upon this man born blind so that the works of God might be displayed in him, Jesus is going to fulfill the divine purpose placed before him before time. Right? This, this man was born blind for this reason. And Jesus says, I'm I'm going to do the works of God now. It's light. You have the light. And while I'm here, we're going to be about doing the works of God. You with me, while the light shines in, there's coming a time, right, foreshadowing when you're not going to have the light. I'm going to be gone. But until then, we are going to do the works of God. And the works of God is going to be displayed in this man. So this man, before everything happened, God said that he's going to be blind so that my glory, my works will be seen through him. It's a divine plan. And Jesus is going to fulfill this divine plan. And Jesus does it in a way that we didn't see, right? We didn't see in in full stop. Don't ever ask me to do this because I'm not going to. Jesus looks down at the mud, and, and, and he, he spits. Now, it says he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the eyes of the man. Now, what I want you to understand, and it hinges on the word anointed. When you anoint, it's, it's not a dab, <laughs> okay? No. I just, it's, I can't, when you spit on the ground and it's dirty, you make a little bit of mud, right? I don't know how Jesus makes enough mud to cover the whole man's eyes, but he anoints the man's eyes. So he he really is doubly blind. He can't see and he can't see. There's enough mud so that if you could see your eyes have been anointed with mud, you can't see. And Jesus just looks at him and says, and, and this is going to take faith, right? It didn't take faith for the man to, 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 for the mud to be placed on. Jesus is doing that. But now the man has to get up and go to the pool of Siloam. He says, go and wash. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. I wonder what's running through his mind. I haven't been able to see him since I was, I, was, I was born. I can't wait to see. Right? He probably has heard of the Pool of Siloam. It's been described to him, but he's never seen it. So when he goes and washes in the Pool of Siloam, what's the first thing he's going to see? He's going to see what the Pool of Siloam looks like. But he obeys. He obeys. Jesus says, go do this. I'm sure he has tried other treatments, right? There's been other ointments. There's been the priest telling him to do stuff. But Jesus says, go and wash. And the man says, all right, I'm, I, I'm going. 
And so he goes and he washes. And it's important, or there is a theological importance beyond uh, to the pool of Siloam. And we're told here that the pool means sent. Isaiah chapter 8, verses 5 through 10. Lord is speaking to Isaiah, and he says, the Lord speaks to Isaiah and says, Because this people has refused the waters of Shiloh, which is Siloam, Shiloh Hebrew, Siloam Greek, says, because the people have refused the water of Shiloh that flowed gently and rejoice over Reza and the son of Ramallah, therefore, behold, the, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria and all his glory, and it will rise over all the channels. In that passage in Isaiah, the Lord is speaking to his people and says, look, I, I, I've made the way for you. I've offered you the gentle waters. I, I have made the, the way of, of, of sal- salvation for you, and, and, and you have rejected it. You don't want to have anything to do with it. So Jesus now says to the man, go to the pool, go to the figural, the metaphorical pool that that Isaiah called upon says, you rejected with the gentle waters. You didn't want to have anything to do with that. Instead, now a river, the Assyrians are going to come in and and take you over and, and you're going to be defeated that you wouldn't have anything to do with me. So this is what's going to happen. And Jesus looks at the man born blind and says, go to the pool that your people had rejected. Go to the very place that was originally given to you, as Isaiah describes it, as a gentle water, refreshing water, bringing bringing salvation to them. And they wouldn't have anything to do with it. And Jesus says, go to this pool and wash. Right? And, And John, in that classic John understatement, he went, he washed, and he came back seen. It's just that simple. He went, he washed, and came back seen. We get, we get nothing else. Wouldn't it be nicer, John? I mean, John, you, you put in a lot of parentheticals so that we can understand something. How about just a parenthetical about what the guy saw, about what he felt? Something. Come on, we want to rejoice with this guy. But he went, he washed, and came back seen. Now, here's the great implication here. From the beginning of John chapter 9, Jesus has talked about the fact that that Jesus has been sent, that Jesus has been sent, that I have been sent by the Father, right? That I have been sent to do the will of the Father. And so here we have Jesus the Christ telling the man, "Go, go, go go to the sent pool. Right, do, you, do you see the illusion? Go, go to the scent pool, and it's going to bring healing to you. Because I've been sent by God. And the picture and the metaphor here is, if you go, if you go to the scent pool, if you go just like Christ has is, is been sent by the Father, if you would go to the provision that the Father has sent to you, you will be healed. But what type of healing is Jesus really pointing to? 
Is it just the physical? Well, no, we know the rest of the story. and we're kind of, We'll get there in a minute. But what Jesus is saying is, here I am, I'm sent, I'm sending you to what the pool that you have rejected. Are you once again going to reject the provision? Or are you going to look at me and understand my mission, understand and receive the healing of your sins that I have been sent to accomplish? Because the light of Jesus brings healing. But also in this, and in our lives today, and in the world today, the light of Jesus brings controversy. Right? Verse 8, is that verse 8? Verse 8 is not the neighbors rejoicing. Right? Verse 8 is not joy and celebration. As we read down to the Pharisees, they're not excited. Instead of Jesus' actions creating excitement that the man who was born blind, did you get that point throughout John chapter 9? That the man who, born, who was born blind can now see. Instead, everybody is, con- is, is involved in these arguments trying to figure out what happens. And there's all these conversations and these interrogations. And the first one is with the neighbors, which is honestly, I mean, it, it's comical. Is this not the man who used to sit and, and beg? Some said it is he, and those said, no, but it is, it, it's, it's, it's like him. So in this town where there was one blind beggar, apparently there was another, he had a doppelganger who could actually see. It looks like the beggar, but this other guy who we've never seen before, it, it must be him. And in the background, right, in the background, he kept saying, I am the man. Is this the man who used to be born blind? Yes, I, I, I'm he. No, it can't be the man. It's me. Are you sure? It's me. Are you sure? It's me. I used to be the man born blind, but I can see. I, I mean, I just, I got this picture of the guy, you know, all, all the neighbors are huddled around having this really intense conversation. The guy's outside the huddle going, it's me. It's me. Right? Listen to me. It's me. But nobody wants to listen to him. Nobody wants to, how do you, how were your eyes open? And he has one answer that he repeats. He says, this man named Jesus, he put mud on my eyes, he anointed my eyes, said, go wash, and I did. He went, he washed, he came back seeing. He says, that's my testimony. I don't understand everything, but here's what I know. I had mud, go wash, I can now see. But the neighbors don't know what to do, right? I mean, let's at least give them a little bit of credit. They're perplexed. This hasn't happened before. They don't know what to do. So they take them to the religious authorities. Now, there's no malice in what they're doing. They just they don't understand how, how, how to explain this. So they go to the religious leaders of the day to seek answers. And this, again, I mean, it's kind of comical, but it's sad at the same time. So when the Pharisees get involved the first time, we're told that it's a Sabbath day. Now, we've already been told this, and, and, and the Pharisees, they like their Sabbath. You better obey their rules. And healing on a Sabbath is right out. You can't do that. So they bring the, the man before him and said, how, how, how can you see? Right? The man, formerly, who, the man who was formerly blind. How can you see? It's really simple. He put mud on my eyes. He told me to wash. I washed. I came back seen. I can't make it any clearer than that. And so at the Pharisees, again, they're kind of confused too. And, and, and so immediately, 
right? Immediately, their default is this man is not from God. He, he's a sinner. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. Lord, help us, all of us, if we ever see Jesus or God just step out of heaven and do a miracle in front of us, and we go, he did that Sunday at 1135, and uh, we were busy. We don't want to deal with that. All right? I mean, they're, they're so enslaved, really, to their own rules, right? This isn't them following the Mosaic law. This is them following their own rules. They're so enslaved to it, they said, it can't be he's working on the Sabbath. But there's a division. Because some of them says this, and this is a fascinating question. Others say, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? Man, that's a, that's a strong word in the Gospel of John. But look, it's, it's, it's not just one, it's signs. It, it's, it's plural. They're seeing Jesus do all these things, and, and they can't understand. He's got to be a sinner. It's the Sabbath. You don't do this on the Sabbath in violation of our rules. Therefore, he's a sinner. But wait a minute. He made a lame man walk. He's made a blind man see. I, I, don't, I don't know what is going on. Well, they can't see, right? Again, irony. What is the point of the signs? So that you could see the signs and what? And believe that Jesus is the Christ. And believing in him, you may have life. That's the whole point of the signs. And so either Jesus is a sinner to be rejected, right? He's a sinner. We've got to reject him. Or what do they have to do? They've got to change their understanding of the law and admit that what they've added to it is wrong and what they've been saying is wrong and they have to then accept the signs and say this man has been what? Has been sent from God to bring healing. Unfortunately, they went with the he's a sinner. The second one was right. Right? The second one would have been the right thing, to come to Christ. But no, they're not going to do that. So they double down, and, 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 it, and he's a sinner. We know that he is a sinner. He's got to be. He has to be. They, they, just, they just don't believe. Verse 18, the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight. They didn't believe. You, you know who the Pharisees are in, this, in, in John chapter 9? Do y'all, do y'all know somebody where if you took them out in the middle of a torrential downpour and said it's raining, the first words out of their mouth would be, no, it's not? Right? I, I mean, we, we all know those people. Right? It's raining. No, it's not. Okay, fine, whatever. It's, it's not raining. This, this is who they are. They, they, they can't see. They, even their eyes are seeing the evidence. Blind can see, but they can't see. They refuse to believe, so they call in the parents. Right? The question, is this your son? Who you say? Who you say? Now, not only are we calling in whether or not this is the guy, we're calling in the question you. We don't think you're truthful. For a kid kid to be born blind at this time, there weren't going to be any prospects. Right? I mean, I mean, so there's, there's no reason for the parents to make this up 
because it's going to negatively impact them, negatively impact their child. But then also, being born blind, if someone pretends to be blind, eventually they flinch. Right? Eventually, you're going, if you close your eyes, you're, you're going to kind of peek if you're, you know something's coming because you're, you're going, you can see. The, the, I mean, he's either the greatest con man ever to be able to pretend to be blind for all these years and never once gets called out. Do you think that they probably tested him on the street? Do you think they just walked over and handed him the coin, or do you think they, some of them threw it at him to see if he'd catch it? He says, is this your son? And, and, you know, the parents are afraid of the Jews because they could put them out of the synagogue. They could send them out, and this would be catastrophic because they would be exiled from attending services. They, they're, they're outside the community. They can't keep the law. They can't make the sacrifices. This, this is major and they're already deciding that if anybody follows Jesus, then they're going to be exiled. You know, that still happens today. It still happens today around the world where if you confess Jesus Christ, you're going to be exiled from your community. You're going to be exiled from your family. And even today in America, if you confess Jesus and live by the truth, you, you, we are rapidly moving out of, the, I, I think, the discrimination uh, stage and into oppression. You're not going to be looked upon as, as okay, well, that, that's cool. I'm glad you do. It's now hostile towards that. This is what they're facing. This is what most people in the world still face today. And so they say, hey, ask him. Well, they call them back in, and now the Pharisees are stuck. Right? They can't say the miracle didn't occur because the man is standing before them. From all outside testimony, the neighbors, the parents, the man, this, this, this is a miracle. They also can't say that Jesus was sent from God because that in, indicts them on their spiritual blindness. So what they're going to do is they're going to, to just exert as much pressure on this man as they possibly can to give them their out. Right? Give glory to God. What he's saying is, you know what he's saying? Sunday school, another Sunday school reference. Psalm 139, we're talking about this morning, that God is everywhere, you can't escape God. That's what they're saying to this man. Give God glory. You can't get out of his presence. He is going to see you. He is going to punish you if you lie. Give God glory. We know that this man is a sinner. So what are they doing? All this pressure on this man born blind. Hey, hey, just, just say he's a sinner. Now, who, whose benefit is this for? Is it for the man's or is it for the Pharisees? It's for the Pharisees. They are stuck and they want a way out. Why? So that they can maintain their religious superiority and their religious power. So I need you to confess that he's a sinner so that we can escape. This man, though, is made of sterner stuff. Right? Neighbors don't know who he is. His parents have said, hey, he was born blind. But you go ask him. 
God's watching. He knows what you're about to say. Give glory to God. This man is a sinner. And he just looks at them and says, whether he was a sinner, I do not know. And then he says, I'm going to tell you one more time the one thing that I do know. Though I was blind, now I see. Man. That's, that's also good for us today, right? The pressure to compromise biblical truth. The pressure to compromise what the Lord has spoken. Whether that is on just all kinds of range of, of topics, whether it is the sanctity of life, whether it is uh, sexual ethics, whether it is the exclusivity of Christ as it relates to salvation, whether it is the doctrine of hell. Can you just, can you just step away from that? No, we need to be made of uh, stern stuff like this man and say, no, <laughs> we're not going to compromise. And in this moment, he did not compromise. He said, I will tell you again, I was blind, and now I see. And the council is just, they don't know what to do. Up until now, people would cower before give glory to God. They would cower and change their tune to appease the council. And here's this one man, born blind, who's not studied the law, who's not been in school to, to listen and to learn, who can't read, who doesn't sit underneath the teaching of the rabbis of the day, looking at them and saying, I am not going to give in. And they're just, they're so... So confused. And so they ask him again, how did he open your eyes? And I know the guy's got to be like, how many times do I have to tell you? that God, This is really simple. Right? This ain't rocket science. There was mud. I was sent. I washed. I saw. It's a four-step process. Mud, sent, washed, saw. That's, that's all it is. Y'all can repeat after me. Mud, sent, washed, saw. See, See how simple it is? But he's just, finally, he's just so, you know, just frustrated with them and say, do you want to become his disciples? And they say, no, 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 we're disciples of Moses. We don't know where this guy has come from. And look at this. Look at this. This is amazing. As the guy is talking to him in verse 30 through 35, you don't know where he comes from, but I can see you, you, you don't know who sent him, but I'm not blind anymore? Hey, can, have you ever heard of a time in the world where a man who was born blind, his eyes were opened? I haven't either, but I am he. I'm the man. If he was not sent from God, he could do nothing. This unlearned blind from birth beggar understood the sign while the religiously trained authorities could not see the sign at all. Who's actually blind in the story? It's not the beggar. It's the Pharisees. They can't see. 
while this man can and knows that Jesus must be from God because otherwise, how can I see you? And even at that point, they didn't like it. And they said, you were born in utter sin going back to, it must have, you sinned or your parents. You're not going to teach us. And then they did. They, they, they cast him out. Cast him out of the synagogue. But that's not where the story ends. Because what we see is the light of Jesus also brings judgment. So the man leaves the synagogue. And at this point, Jesus reenters the story. Jesus heard that they cast him out, and Jesus takes the initiative to, to find him once again, right? Jesus takes the initiative. God takes the initiative to seek and to find us. Jesus takes the initiative, finds the man, and says, hey, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man says, I don't know who he is. I don't know who he is. But there's got to be something in the back of his mind that's saying, maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. Because think about this. Think about what's happening here. The first time the man born blind saw, or excuse me, heard Jesus, he didn't see Jesus. Right? He was blind. And now Jesus is standing before him, and he can see Jesus. And even though he couldn't see Jesus the first time, he did recognize, I guarantee you, he recognized the voice. So there's got to be something going on in his mind because Jesus then says to him, it, 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 it's me. It's me. You, you have seen him. What a great statement. You have seen him. How? How has he seen him? He's, well, he's seen him because he's standing before him, but he's also seen him how? Because he has seen and recognized the sign that Jesus has come to save. He's recognized the sign. He saw Jesus in the sign. And so now the man is looking, and he just says in verse 38, he says, Lord, I believe. There it is. Confession of faith. Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And that's not just the polite Lord, sir. This is Lord. You are God Almighty. And this is not he just worships, started singing. This is the word worship there is prostrate, to prostrate yourself, to fall before at the feet of of someone in worship. And the man does because he recognizes that he is standing before the one who has been sent not to heal him physically, but what? To hear to heal him spiritually. And it's just an amazing testimony. And, and as he is worshiping, Jesus makes a statement for judgment. I've come into the world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And the Pharisees nearby hear this and they're like, wait, wait, wait a minute, are, 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 are we blind? Are we blind as well? What's the answer? Yes, you are. You are very, very blind. You are blind to the spiritual truth of who Jesus is. But Jesus gives a fascinating answer in verse 41. We'll close in just a minute. It says, if you are blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. That's a unique answer. Right? What he's telling them is, if you were blind... 
right? If, if you were actually spiritually blind, if you had no idea, then you would have no guilt. But you have guilt because you have professed that you see. You have professed that you see that Jesus is a sinner. You have professed to see that this man is not sent from God. You have, have professed and seen that, that Jesus doesn't know anything, can't keep the rules. You have seen and professed your great spiritual knowledge. You have claimed that you see. You have claimed that you know. And Jesus is looking at him and saying, but, but, but you don't. You don't know. You don't see. And because of that, because you claim to have spiritual knowledge, it is in your spiritual knowledge that you are rejecting Jesus, and now you stand guilty. For you have seen the signs. How can this man do these signs? You have seen the signs, and you reject the signs. You have been exposed to the light of Christ, And you have rejected Jesus. You have rejected the one who has been sent by God. And so we end John 9 with this this great paradox about light. For we know that light enables us to see. If you're in the dark and you turn on the light, you can see. But we also know that light can be blinding. And if someone turns on a flashlight and shines it into your eyes, you can't see. This is the paradox that is the light of Jesus. He comes and he brings light into the world. And for some, they're going to see the light in the darkness. And they're going to go and they're going to embrace the light. Some are going to see the light and they're going to be blinded by it because they figured it all out. For all their religious outward appearances, the Pharisees have figured it all out, yet they have never what? They've never dealt with the darkness that is in their hearts. And that's what Jesus is shining the light into. He's shining the light into the darkness of, of our hearts into the sin that lives there, and he is shining it, and it's either go, you're going to see the light, embrace the light, and come be called out of the darkness, or the lights go shine in there, and you're going to double down on the darkness, and you're going to stay blind. So it is only the blind who recognize that they can't see are the ones who end up being the ones when confronted with the light of Jesus Christ, can see. Whereas it is written, thus says God, Yahweh, I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, all who sit in darkness. This is what happens when light shines into darkness. People are either going to embrace the light because they recognize their blindness. Or they will flee from the light because they think they can already see. The Gary Talks About God podcast is a production of Touchpoint Ministries and Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church in Germantown, North Carolina. Want to learn more? Visit our website at www.touchpointministries.com.
www.redbankmbc.com. If you enjoyed this content, please like and subscribe. Thank you for joining us.